I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just looking at my text messages. I was taking pictures with the crowd. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here live from WDBO in Orlando, Florida. I have a crowd with me. I've been taking pictures, and now I come back to see uh, a picture that Charlie sent to Philip and me. It's of the Tennessee football coach next to Bobby from King of the Hill, and I will never now unsee that. And Philip's like, uh, who is Bobby? Okay, so you do need to understand, just just for, for those of you nationally and here in the room, so Philip, who does digital, is, is brilliant at what he does. I will compliment him. He's very, very good. Uh, his mother was the librarian at my children's school for years. Uh, he's from a great family that sheltered him as he was growing up. So I one time was in the car with my old boss, the pig farmer, Pete Spriggs, and commented on Alfred Hitchcock. And Philip was in the car with us. And I looked at him and says, do you even know who Hitchcock is? And he says, wasn't that a Will Smith movie? <laughs> yes, yes. God bless him. Star Wars references sail over his head. I one time said, I am your father. And he looked at me and said, that's kind of weird. Um, but to his credit, He's been telling me for years it was Tennessee's year, and this year is Tennessee's year, and that's all that matters to him, that and the ability to catch bass. So, uh, And he's great at what he does. I'm so blessed to have him and Charlie with me. I want to do something. I want to take a phone call to start this hour because I was going to talk about the topic, and I have a caller who wants to talk about the topic. I wasn't going to talk about the topic, but then I decided I'd talk about the topic. Now i got a caller on the topic, so you with me? Let's go to Kathy. Kathy, you're up next. If I can push the button here, Kathy, welcome. How are you? Yes. You got to call me on this topic? Okay. How can oh. we keep Trump from running or discourage him and encourage DeSantis? Well, you can hear hear the Orlando crowd here clapping. Okay, so for those who don't know, there's a news report out today from Axios that Donald Trump intends on November 14th to announce he's running for president in 2024. Um, here's why I wasn't going to talk about this, because I don't know that he is, and I don't see why I should talk about 2024 when we're only a few days from the midterms. Um, but I, I, I do have thoughts on this. Here's where, where my inner diplomat comes out. Literally every Republican on planet Earth who could run for the presidency could serve for eight consecutive years, except for one. His name is Donald Trump. Because he was president for four years, the Constitution would limit him to one more four-year term. Now, here's the thing, and I get this from a lot of people, and I want to ex explain to you my logic, even though you may disagree. This goes back, I, run, I promise, I did not plan this. This is just how my brain works. Creep. Committee to reelect the president. Here's the problem. Let, let's say, uh, first of all, let's say he and DeSantis decide to run as a ticket. Trump, DeSantis, 2024, which I get calls about a lot. And one can't do it because they're both from Florida, and the Constitution prohibits two people from the same state running for president and vice president. Not technically prohibits, but says you can't count that state's electoral college votes. So you would suddenly start at a deficit of the electoral college if two people from the same state ran. That would be a problem. So let's say Trump says, okay, I'll move back to New York, and we'll do Trump-DeSantis. Here's the actual problem, and this is where the lawyer side of me who did campaign finance comes in, creep. The president can't fundraise 
for a re-election campaign. So DeSantis would have to fundraise for his own election campaign while Donald Trump is president and needs that money to get Republicans elected nationwide. So the president can use creep funds, Committee to Reelect the President funds, to help other federal candidates. DeSantis, as a candidate for president in 2028, would ha be at a deficit trying to raise money that the president would already have in his bank that can't now be used because it would have to be redirected to DeSantis. You essentially put DeSantis or whoever it might be in a financial bind by saying let's give Trump one more term and then we'll start the fundraising for a brand new office when by the way because that person would not be the incumbent president Katie bar the door and prohibit the rules of the RNC you're going to get challenged in a primary by other people who also want to be president of the United States you do a true disservice to the GOP by having Trump come in as a one-term president one more time and then saying okay over over to you, Vice President. One, there's no guarantee he gets the nomination. Two, there's no guarantee no one challenges him. Three, you start from a financial deficit. Four, you put the entire Republican Party in a financial position that puts them behind because the president can't use his creep funds, committee to reelect the president funds, to help other members of Republicans nationwide get elected because guess what? The committee to reelect the president doesn't exist because the vice president's not the president, and so he can't use the funds of the committee to reelect the president. That's my thinking on this. I think it would be financially bad. If you're president of the United States, you're all but guaranteed a second term. There have only been a few one-term presidents in the 20th and 21st century. George H.W. Bush and Donald Trump in particular, Jimmy Carter, the three of them. It's rare in American history for people to say, yeah, we're not going to give this guy a second term. It's going to happen again, I think, in 2024. Uh, but there's no guarantee the only guarantee for sure is that if Donald Trump runs again, he can only serve four years when literally any Republican can serve eight. And honestly, I would kind of like someone who can serve eight to undo the damage of the Biden administration and chart a different course where it becomes difficult for the Biden administration to do anything. Now, here's the genius moving forward for the GOP. Don't look now, folks. But Real Clear Politics says the GOP may actually take 54 seats in the Senate. I personally, in all honesty, think it's irrational exuberance. I, I, I don't see us getting to 54 unless the wave is even bigger than I expect it to be. 52, 53, very plausible. Maybe 54. Some Republicans think 55. I'm not one of them. But look at 2024. You have eight states on the ballot in states that Donald Trump won where the Democrats are senators. If you get to 54... You only need to win six of those eight to get a filibuster-proof Senate, to get anything done that you want done. Joe Manchin of West Virginia probably isn't coming back. You have a real opportunity there. So you get a Republican president who doesn't alienate independent voters. You get a 60-seat Senate majority. You get to become the worst nightmare of the Democratic Party. They're probably going to control the House of Representatives still. So you get a 60-seat Senate majority, you control the House of Representatives. Even with five seats, you're in the majority. Suddenly, a Republican president can put in place lasting change that is very difficult for the Democrats to do unless they decide to blow up the filibuster, which eventually they may try to do. But they've got to at least get 52, 53 seats. And when you look into the next decade or two, 
barring some unforeseen calamity in this country changing people, the Democrats have an electoral college disadvantage and they have a Senate disadvantage unless they try to reconnect to the middle class. And if they try to reconnect to the middle class, they're probably not going to try to blow up the veto when they get back power. So we've got things to work, but I'm trying to think about this long term and do some chess maneuvering instead of some checkers maneuvering here because there's a lot at stake in this country right now. We've got $31 trillion national debt. Forget the deficit. $31 trillion national debt. We have China on the rise, Russia resurgent. We have Iran trying to get nuclear weapons. We have Western European allies who don't think we have their back. We've got uh, Japan and South Korea, Taiwan and Australia looking to American leadership. We have this strain now going in the United States of a recurrent isolationism that we should cede ground to other people. We don't necessarily need to be involved everywhere in the world. And while I'm sympathetic to that, I think if we don't lead, someone's going to lead the world. We are not going to have a multilateral world because someone wants to be dominant. So you pick who do you want to be dominant in the world, the United States or China? Because we're the two biggest economies in the world. It's going to come down to one of us. And I would prefer it to be us than to be China. And so I think we've got to have someone who's more forward-looking. And then honestly, I don't want to offend anyone. But I have a bias. I would like to see the United States of America not feel like it's got to choose between an 80-year-old or an 80-year-old. When I was young, when I was very young, when I was little, This man ran for president named Ronald Reagan, and he was in his 60s, and the entirety of the national political press freaked out that we may have someone that old run for president of the United States. We now have someone 15 years older than that who is president of the United States, and the man falls asleep in the middle of questions. Surely, America, we can find someone who is not an 80-year-old to run for, for president who does not have the last name Bush or Clinton. Surely, we can do that. Now, as an aside, I must lecture my listeners here. Some of you are clearly going to a fringe website. Because yesterday on this program, we got calls from multiple people pushing a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden was about to dump Kamala Harris, appoint Michelle Obama as vice president, and then step aside so she could be president of the United States. I don't know what website you people are reading, but you should delete it from your web browser. The president of the United States cannot fire the vice president of the United States. You may think the president can, but the vice president is a constitutionally elected officer. And it is more likely for Kamala Harris to put roller skates on the steps of the White House as Joe Biden comes down from the residency than for Joe Biden to fire Kamala Harris. This woman's not going to be fired. She's the person who may not vacate the White House when they lose. I mean, this woman has coveted it religiously. She wants it relentlessly. And she's not going to let go of power. Biden can't fire her to put in Michelle Obama. And I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, I just, I assure you, as much as the conspiracy theorists on the right think Michelle Obama is going to be the Democrats nominee, she doesn't want to give up the millions she's making right now. She doesn't like Washington, D.C. 
She doesn't like the people of Washington, D.C. She got her husband to buy her a mansion on Martha's Vineyard to escape the people of Washington, D.C. She doesn't want to come back and do it. I, I don't under, Honestly, I, I don't understand why there are people on our side who go to these fringy sites that peddle the conspiracy theories, and me telling you the truth has less weight than the conspiracy theory site. That literally gets everything wrong, but for some reason you keep going back to it. Um, I can't tell you what you want to hear when I know what the truth of the matter is, and the truth of the matter is this woman does not want to be president of the United States. She didn't like it when her husband was president of the United States. She doesn't want to be president of the United States. She wanted to boss her husband around when he was president of the United States. And you can't fire Kamala Harris anyway. I mean, you can like fire up the broomstick for her and you can't make her get on it to fly away. Nancy Pelosi is going to hop on it first. And in fact, Pelosi will be hopping on it in a couple of months when she goes back to California. Although I suspect when she retires. See, now this, by the way, this is a side note here. Pelosi's on the ballot in California. She's going to win re-election. Here's my suspicion. She wins, the Republicans win, she resigns, and they have a special election. Here's why she couldn't resign. She wanted to resign. The reason I know Nancy Pelosi wanted to resign, or at least not run again, I should say, the reason I know she didn't want to run again is because she let all of her staff go. Like her senior advisors who have been with her for years, they've all gone and found new jobs. She was going to announce she wasn't going to run again. The problem is the Democrats got to 30 seats of vacant vacancies. She couldn't be the 31st because the headline would be Nancy Pelosi sees the writing on the wall. Democrats are going to get wiped out. She couldn't do that as the leader of the party she's committed to. So she's had to stay. So I suspect they're going to get wiped out. And then once they're wiped out, Pelosi will say, all right, I'm out of here. And she will go away. Um, she's going to go away one way or the other. She's already announced she will not stand for leader of the party next year. So one way or the other, even if there's a massive Democratic wave, which there's not going to be, she's not going to be Speaker of the House. But there's not going to be a massive Democratic wave. She's going to become a backbencher in Congress. Nancy Pelosi does not want to be a backbencher to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's going to be rid of herself from Congress. And you know what? In all honesty, not as a partisan point, I may disagree with this woman on everything, but she's been there since the early 90s, serving her constituents, whether I like her or not. She did the bidding of her constituents in California. She's earned a retirement. I hope that we send her to it next week. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do tank. Americans for Prosperity is a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They've built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. So I'm, I'm here in Orlando at WDBO. I've got a live audience here. 
and I'm going to see my Uncle Leaf later, and I'm telling them the story. My dad's listening right now, I'm sure, and, and this is we're telling. So my dad growing up had a speech impediment. Uh, he spoke Swedish at home. He spoke English out of the house. Uh, he had a, a stuttering problem, a speech impediment. My Uncle Leaf one time stabbed himself in the eye and lost sight in, in one of his eyes. And my grandmother, who I don't really have a memory of, my grandmother Erickson, she took them to an Oral Roberts revival because Oral Roberts was going to heal him with the power of the Holy Spirit. So she puts my Uncle Leaf on stage, and Oral Roberts prays over him and says, Now, Leaf, what's the color of my tie? And he says, Blue. And Oral Roberts slams him on the head, knocks him back. We're healed. Well, he was only blind in one eye. And then my dad, who could speak English and could speak but stuttered, came up and Oral Roberts prays over him and says, say my name. And my dad says, Oral Roberts, healed. Well, I mean, it just he, he, he could say Oral Roberts. He didn't have a problem. And, and every year or so, my grandmother would take him back to Oral Roberts for more healing every time he went through Miami. And that, that's the, the, the faith healing of Oral Roberts. <laughs> so I'm going to go see my Uncle Leaf in a little while, uh, who lives down here. It's like he and my dad are, are twins and argue over who's the better looking one. Um, they're not actually twins. They're a couple of years apart. But uh, my goodness. Goodness, it's you talk to one, you're talking to the other one. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, I want to take some phone calls from you guys, but also I want to um, spend time with the audience here. They've all got great questions. They've been saving them up. So we're going to make this balance work right now. I want to go to Jim, who is this right here. Jim, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, my question is, uh, did Trump became the president when the United States was a corporation? Did he make it a republic, republic through an executive order? And if it is now a republic, uh, because he was the president under the corporation, can he have two terms as, uh, if it's a republic? Great question, Jim. Uh, no, because we live in reality where the United States is a republic and not a corporation, and I'm not sure which reality you live in, but it's not the reality the rest of us are in. Now, by the way, did you guys know this actually is some sort of like weird fringe conspiracy on the Internet, that the United States is a corporation owned by Great Britain? Did you know this? It's actually a, a real, this is a, what is it, a Lyndon LaRouche, LaRouche conspiracy? Um, because the United States of America signed the Treaty of Paris, and it was a treaty between Great Britain, its sovereign nations, in uh, and or it's Great Britain, its sovereignty, and the incorporated territories of the United States of America. That's how the Treaty of Paris opens. Language like that, and so the Lyndon Larouches have have embrace this conspiracy theory that the United States isn't really a republic because under the Treaty of, of Paris that granted us our sovereignty from Great Britain, it refers to us as the incorporated territories of the United States, which historically was the language that was used at the time to talk about multiple territories coming into a union of an empire or a country, but pay no attention to the historic meaning. So Jim apparently is a LaRouche. Who believes the United States is actually a corporation? Can you imagine, though, if we were a corporation, we're kind of like the Acme Corporation? I mean, we make everything. We make everything in this country, and we've got Wiley e. Coyote as president of the United States right now. 
I mean that that actually maybe we maybe he's right. We got Wiley Coyote as president of the United States out to get the, those uh, road runners and the wascally wabbits as well. Maybe Jim is on to something. I haven't actually thought of that before. I may have to reassess this. Or Jim's kind of crazy, and we ought to experience it together on the radio. The holidays are the most exciting time of year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep every single night, particularly before your kids wake you up early during the holidays. My goodness gracious, it's easier than it sounds, though. You need the softest, most luxurious organic cotton sheets from Boland Branch. Their sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They make a difference. You can truly feel night after night. Forget the script that they gave me to read. Y'all, let me just tell you, Bowling Branch, I sleep on their sheets, and they get softer every single time I wash them. They are so soft at this point. Like, they start out, and they're fine. They're good sheets. You can tell they've got a nice weight to them. They've got a good thread count. The quality of the fabric is, is very nice. But the more you wash them, the more you realize how good they are because they get softer, but they don't fray. That makes a real difference. I can tell you, I sleep on Bowling Branch sheets. I bought them myself even. They didn't send them to me as an advertiser. I actually bought them. We've been buying them for a while. They're towels and other things as well. But their signature sheets, they come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box for you. Your gifts are going to look great. You can give these sheets to people you love. Bring home a better night's sleep. This this holiday season with Bowling Branch Bedding for a limited time, 20% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BowlingBranch.com. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com, promo code ERIC, BowlingBranch.com. Live from Orlando, Florida at WDBO, it is me, Eric Erickson. I'm here with the crowd. So we've been um, telling stories and talking and taking pictures during commercial break, but I told them I was going to save this last half hour. Instead of spending time with folks on the phone, I want to spend time with them. Before I get to their questions, however, i got to play you two bits of audio that I think are very important that everybody needs to hear. This is Josh Crashauer. He was with National Journal, and he had a, the, the contra-conventional wisdom column. I think basically he would say the things that everyone knew to be true that most members of the media wouldn't say. He's taken that shtick over to Axios now where he's kind of the guy who tells you, uh, against the grain, here's what's actually going on. Well, according to Crashauer, a political expert, here is what's going on in the nation. This is what you see in the final week or so of a wave election where the undecided voters tend to break towards the challenging party, the Republican Party in this case. So, you know, Dr. Oz took the lead for the first time ever in the uh, Real Clear Politics average today. Um, Herschel Walker pulled ahead recently in that polling average. Don Bolduc's getting awfully close to, to Senator Hassan in a race that looked like a, a reach for, for Republicans. So this is very consistent with a wave election that would give Republicans in all likelihood the control of the House, but also perhaps a healthy Senate majority as well. And Dana Bash at CNN. You look at where President Biden is today, New Mexico, right? And then you take a closer look at his campaign schedule, and it's notable with just five days to go until the midterm election, his absence from some key states. Does that almost say more than his presence on the trail? What do you think? It, it, yes, absolutely. I mean, save for Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, right. where it was, he, you know, could pay taxes there at this point because he's been <laughs> traveling <laughs> to Pennsylvania yeah. so much. Uh, but it's for, I can't remember which of our excellent reporters made this point, but... You know, the motivation out there 
uh, to vote among Democrats is not exactly where Democratic strategists want it to be. And look, that is true for any midterm, for any uh, first-term president in their first, the first uh, midterm election. It's just the way it is. And so what he is trying to do in so many of these trips, but even, and maybe even especially in the speech like the one he gave last night right here in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. is to put out uh, some, send up some flares to say to Democrats who might be either annoyed with Washington, I know that's hard to believe, but uh, annoyed <laughs> with Washington, or just feel like, this is not my year, I, I don't, or I don't normally vote in midterms, get out there and vote. And so they're trying to do that strategically to help and not to hurt. Well, going to campaign in Florida for Charlie Crist kind of defied that. Uh, it wasn't a wise thing for him to do to mobilize voters against him. Celinda Link, one of the most respected Democratic pollsters in the country, she does the battleground poll. The battleground poll is one I've always liked because it's a Republican pollster and a Democratic pollster. And the Republicans poll the Democrats and the Democrats poll the Republicans to try to help weed out the biases of each. And she did a focus group of Democratic voters. Let me read you this from Greg Sargent, the liberal writer at the Washington Post. Lake's focus groups found something troubling for Democrats. Swing voters aren't moved by these topics about threats to democracy, Lake says, because they see both parties in a similar light. They think both manipulate democracy to their advantage. And these Democratic swing voters see the 2020 urban unrest amid police protests as akin to January 6th. I think both parties do this. I think both sides do this. Lake quotes many voters as saying, this is particularly pronounced among white swing voters, though some college-educated white swing voters are more troubled by GOP conduct. Because democracy talk galvanizes the Democratic base while washing out among swing voters, Lake sees as a net positive, but her focus groups discern another reason swing voters aren't that worked up. They don't believe our institutions really are under serious strain. I am willing to bet you that we have an election in two years. I'm willing to bet that that happens. Whether or not you think it's free or fair, I can't say that's on you. But we'll have an election in two years. We will. And some candidates will win. Some candidates will lose. And they will go away. And guess what? Two years after that, we'll have another election. Swing voters kind of know this because Republicans and Democrats always tell their base, this is the last election. you got to get it right this time or we'll never have an election again. And at some point after saying this hysterical nonsense for year after year after year, election after election after election, guess what? Turns out that voters kind of tune it out. The only people who take it seriously are the hardcore progressives of both sides. And the problem is that those are the people who ultimately internalize it, and they're the ones who pick up a gun, go to a baseball field in Virginia, and try to commit mass assassination of Republican members of Congress. And as a Republican wave is coming next week, when Democrats have been telling everyone it's not coming, and it's voter suppression if it does, you can be sure there is going to be violence. It's just not going to be from the right, which means you're probably not going to hear about it in the media. It's just the reality. 
If the media were fair, we wouldn't have this problem. We do not have a free press in America. They have been held hostage by their hatred of the right and their love of the Democratic Party. And that's why nobody takes them seriously anymore to report on the news. And that's why you can't take all the dismissiveness about what's coming from the media without taking it with a grain of salt. Because history tends to echo, even if it doesn't repeat itself. And the echoes are very strong that the Republicans will have a good night on Tuesday. Now, that being said... I'm here at WDBO. First of all, thank you to WDBO for having me. Keith, thanks very much for doing this. This is fun. This is the first live studio audience I've done in national syndication. And i got a great audience here. They've got questions. I've got answers. The only thing I will say, now I actually have to say this. This is my one admonishment, is that inevitably there's always someone in the crowd who gets the microphone and the Eric Erickson show suddenly becomes their show and five minutes later people are fighting to get the microphone back so it's question time not monologue time but I'm happy anybody got a question we got one right here Eric and we are so grateful that you're here in Orlando at WDBO thank you so much for coming out here Mike is here and Mike has a question for you Eric what do you what is your thoughts about early voting versus voting on election day okay if I were king for a day, I would ban early voting. I think we should have election day as a holiday, and we should ban early voting. And if you have a real reason you can't be there, cast an absentee ballot. And otherwise, all of us should sweat or freeze or stand in the rain together as a democratic act. Uh, I... Um, I'm a big fan of Dave Chappelle. I, I don't recommend his comedy because it's very crude and vulgar, but he's actually a genius, um, the way he weaves stories together. If you want to be good at talk radio, watch a Dave Chappelle stand-up show, um, even if you, you don't like the profanity and stuff, because the way he weaves stories together, talk radio is basically storytelling. And one of the stories he tells is that um, he has this running joke about the poor whites, and he, saw, he lives in rural Ohio, and he says, I'm there in line. And I'm with the poor whites. And I knew that Hillary was going to lose in 2016 because those poor whites, as nice as they can be, but they weren't voting for Hillary Clinton. They were, they hated that woman. I won't say what he said about her. They hated that woman. I always thought they liked her till I had to stand in line with them. Um, you get to know your neighbors in line. I, I just, I really hate that we have made voting as non-consequential by making it as, as open-ended as possible. I just think stand in line together. Um, do it as a civic act. Um, unleash your anger against the government together on one day every two years. Paul has a question for you, Eric. Um, okay, there's, uh, you mentioned earlier, there's a, a background wave that trans, uh, transmits through history of, uh, in our country, it's red and then it's blue and then it's red and then it's blue against that wave. What are the odds that we'll ever see justice again? And by that, I mean like the Department of Justice being free and fair. And um, I, I think that, so let me step back. Um, I myself have had the epiphany in the last few years. I tend to take a view or did take a view that, you know, we should generally reasonably trust the people who are in the bureaucracy who are there for um, their job. And it's become increasingly clear over the last several years. Donald Trump exposed a lot. If he didn't break a lot of people, he exposed a lot of people uh, that they really do think it's theirs. 
It's not ours. Uh, we see this with the media, the reaction, for example, to Twitter, that they should be the ones to control who gets to tweet as opposed to the owner of the company. I think the Republicans must ask tough questions and probe the Department of Justice. My friend Russ Vote, longtime friend of mine, uh, runs the American uh, Center for American Renewal in Washington, I think is the name of it. I'm sorry, Russ, if I got it wrong. He was the OMB director for Donald Trump, and he's calling for a church commission. Frank Church was a Democratic member of the Senate from the Dakotas, I think South Dakota, who actually did a lot of bad in how he decided to reform the CIA. But one of the things that he did do that was good was he formed a joint committee with the House, got 200 staffers together, and they probed the entire national security apparatus. And they actually turned up some deeply demented stuff. It's time for the Republicans to be the ones to do that. Put a special committee together. Don't let the Justice Committee do it. Don't let the Intelligence Committee do it. Form a special committee. Hire 200 conservative staffers. And you spend the next two years probing the snot out of not just the DOJ, but the FBI, the NSA, the CIA, Homeland Security. It is exceedingly clear at this moment that the FBI is a partisan political operation designed to protect Democrats. I don't know if you guys saw this. Big news yesterday, the FBI is suddenly deciding, oh, there's a serious threat to synagogues in New Jersey. And someone from the Department of Homeland Security actually came out on background and said, none of our intelligence operations suggest this. We're not sure where this came from. Maybe the FBI is right, but it sounds like they're trying to affect politics more than policy. In the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire existed and was stable because the bureaucracy kept it going while the emperors and the armies were killing each other. And the only time it decided to go south and start breaking up was when the Praetorian Guard of the bureaucracy decided they wanted to have a say in who could be emperor. We're seeing a Praetorian Guard within our national security apparatus, and I think it's time for Congress to step in and clean it up. I, I don't know if you guys have heard that story about Pat Leahy. He's, he was the Vermont senator. Um, he was looking at voting in the run-up to the Iraq war and he and his wife were out for a walk and two young men he said uh well-built young men in in jogging suits came up and said senator have you made your mind up on how to vote and he said no he said you should ask for uh file 13 and he went back and started looking and, and found file 13 which showed that the weapons estimates were overestimated and he was out jogging the next week and these two young men came up again and said senator did you find it and he said yes and now you need to look for file eight and he went back and he found file eight and, and basically was an admission against interest buried in the documents, hundreds of thousands of pages that there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And he wound up voting against it. And the reporter who he's recounting the story to says, did you find out who those young men were? He says, I didn't want to know who those young men were. Everyone read that story as, oh, well, this is kind of cool. Clandestinely, the CIA is finding the senator. I'm looking at this saying, oh, my gosh, Trump was right. The deep state really is out trying to sabotage their boss, the president of the United States. Now, you can disagree with George Bush. You can say it's all made up and we never should have gone to war. That's fine. But also, the CIA should not be out running interference for an agenda when their boss is the president of the United States. we got to clean it up. Any other questions? you got one up front, and then we go to commercial break. Hi, Eric. I'm Ellen from Oviedo. Um, I wanted to know who started and when did it start the false narrative that the Republicans want to take away your Social Security and your Medicare? Oh, well, um, I, I will say 
This goes all the way back to 1980 when Ronald Reagan, well, actually, it, it goes back even further than that. It goes back to 1964 when Barry Goldwater was running and wanted to end Social Security, um, that the government should have no role. There's still a strain of Republican out there. I might be in it. Um, that Congress actually is not authorized under the Constitution to run a retirement plan for senior citizens. I'm willing to admit I lost the argument. But Republicans have been trying to reform it for a while, and Democrats just demonize it. And the reason they demonize it is because senior citizens are most likely to vote, and they don't have anything to offer them, so they would rather scare them and say, Republicans are going to take your Social Security away. The last guy who wanted to reform it was George W. Bush, who was sold out by his own Republicans in Congress who did not, uh, and no Republican has attempted it since. But it's a scare tactic that works all the time, or at least it used to, but it's really hard to scare senior citizens these days about Republicans are going to steal your Social Security when they're having the doors kicked in by thugs in their neighborhoods and being robbed, and they're way more concerned about that crime than Republicans in Washington. Now, this is my segue to tell you guys about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I got a note for you. I get asked this question all the time. Do I leave it running? Uh, do I actually use it? One, I actually do use it. I should have brought it with me. I've got it in my hotel room here. I travel with it. Uh, and the reason I travel with it, Eden Pure doesn't like me to talk about these scenarios, but I'm going to. Please forgive me, Eden Pure, because you know I love you. Someone's been smoking in your hotel room. Or someone's been using, what shall we call it, uh, urban tobacco in the rental car. And it stinks really bad. Like this time I got a rental car in Louisiana and I mean, I could smell the car when I got into the parking garage of the rental car deck. It stunk, and I got to my parents' house, and my mom's like, your car smells like it's been sprayed by a skunk. And I assured her, no, no, that is no skunk, mother. It is this uh, devil's lettuce. And I fired up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. I swear to you people, it wiped out the odor. That's why I travel with the thing. It eliminates foul odors. Uh, I know someone who bought one on my recommendation, and his wife has no idea he now smokes cigars in his truck. It just wipes out the odors. It, it, it literally does. I use it in my kitchen because I love shrimp, and my wife doesn't, and I can fry shrimp in the kitchen and then fire up the sucker, and my wife has no idea. Um, it really works, and right now they've got a BOGO offer. You buy one, you get one for free. You buy two, you get two for free. All you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you put an Eric BOGO on the front page, Eric B-O-G-O, and you buy one, you get one free. You buy two, you get two free. It's EdenPureDeals.com. It's Eric BOGO. It works as an air purifier. It gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the pollen, the dust, what have you. I don't use it for that, though. I use it because it eliminates odors. It doesn't mask them. It's not part of an essential oil mid-level marketing scheme. It actually is a device that eliminates odors, and you get it at EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is Eric BOGO, E-R-I-C-K-B-O-G-O. They go to the grocery store. The bills, bills are higher. Gas, the gas, price of the gas tank, train gets, gas station gets way too much attention, I think, because um, a lot of people, you know, hybrid commuting, fewer commutes, like there's all these different reasons why you could say on paper people could be feeling a little better this time than they did in 2008 when we were also worried about a recession. People feel lousy about the economy. 75% of people we polled say we're already in a recession, you know, so the way people feel, then that becomes real. That's CNN talking about the economy. Guess what? CNN's final polling has the GOP in the lead everywhere because voters care about the economy. They care about inflation. You know, this is politics 101. Talk about the issues the voters care about. The voters don't care about January 6th. They don't care about the 2020 election. They don't care about abortion. They care about the economy. They care about their kids' education. They care about crime. They care about inflation. Democrats just 
flat out dropped the ball. They decided whatever they cared about was the issue that mattered. And that's like political malpractice. They've committed it. And the chickens are going to come home to roost next week for them. Uh, Just keep that in mind. Uh, As we head into the weekend, you're going to start seeing the meltdown happening in the media. We're headed into a weekend. Some of us in the South will be distracted by a football game at the University of Georgia. Everyone else will still be thinking of the election and what's going to happen. And you're going to start seeing the Democratic meltdown begin in full this weekend across the Sunday shows and across the media as they start attacking you, the voter, for not caring about your democracy. They're going to become unhinged. And on Tuesday night, we will all tune in to MSNBC and watch them cry. Now... I'm in Orlando, Florida, the first live audience I've done since I've been in syndication. Thank you to WDBO. Thank you to the crowd here today. Um, It has been just fantastic. The Stanley Steamer Studio here at WDBO in Orlando, Florida. This has been a lot of fun. I've been, it's been fun to get out on the road. I will see you guys from the home base on Monday.